0: Hello and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Lockie Bradford.
1: And I'm Robbie Hicks. And on today's episode, we sit down with Nicole Liu, uh, founder of Kinfertility. And I'll tell you what, this is not a topic that Locke and I really thought would be sitting down and having a, uh, having a conversation about, but what they do- what Nicole and the team there at um, Kinfertility are doing in that around the fertility journey and understanding the touch points that exist in this space and making, I guess, information more accessible for people who are trying to have kids. It's just really, really uh, educational
0: and impressive. Inspiring work, Nicole. Um, give it a listen.
1: Last two times Locke's tried to kick the pot off, he's, he stumbled in his first sentence.
2: And then and cut the like <laughs> guest
0: off when they're like, oh yeah, I feel good. And I was like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so
2: it's always the first two minutes though. Like once you get into it, you feel a bit more smooth. But the first two minutes like, okay, what am I actually saying?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like that every time. I like to say it's easier, but it doesn't, does it? No, We haven't found started. that formula yet. No, we're still figuring it out. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. All right, let's kick it off.
1: Nicole, thank you so much for jumping on the pod. It's Friday morning. I don't know about you, but we've had a bit of a week. Mm. Um, how's your yeah. week been?
2: um my week's been pretty hectic actually it's just I, I feel like every week feels a little bit more hectic than the last but this week was um definitely a bit more hectic like running um kin while um, my puppy actually had diarrhea um this week is it too much information um but it's, it's been so, a big that's a
1: lot
0: of information to kick off <laughs> i like it <laughs> what like kind it. of
1: what kind of dog is it
2: i've got a golden retriever
0: oh, oh no nice. how cute is that boy yeah. girl boy Ooh, name milo Milo Milo, Milo that, the golden retriever that was my yeah. first ever dog family dog oh, right. Milo yeah great oh, name amazing.
2: Yeah no okay. it makes no sense until he goes into the mud and we like finally understood why we actually named him Milo
0: Oh there you go that makes that makes
1: more sense <laughs> Well we we usually like to kick it off with a pretty simple one is uh who are you and what do you do
2: Who am I? That is an existential question, but um, (laughs) uh, so I'm Nicole, I'm the founder of Kim, and essentially with KIN we're working to empower women to really like own the decisions that impact their fertility, their bodies and their reproductive health Um, and essentially what we're trying to build is like the place that women eventually turn to um, as the first place to look after all their health needs and all their fertility health needs and what we've always wanted to build and like support is this like idea of This whole fertility journey starting from like your first period going on contraception um all the way to like conception pregnancy and postpartum um and so the way we sort of started that at the moment is like we've launched um the australia's first subscription service the contraceptive pill um and essentially like people can go online talk to a doctor um and where it's safe the doctor prescribes the pill and from there on they get the pill delivered to their door every three to four months before they run out um, and yeah, so that, that's mainly like um, what we do at the moment, and we're sort of like in the process of focusing on the conception journey. Um, so really thinking about like what do virtual consults look like, um, doing more educational pieces around that, and launching our like range of products and supplements, um, including a prenatal that we launched recently. Um, but yeah, our whole thing is really just like understanding how to re. I think it's just like reimagining the journey and try to make it simple, like more simple for women to really go on that journey. How did you come up with
0: that idea? Yeah, it sounds huge. It sounds it's like a big massive... idea. Like, yeah. where did it
1: start? Like, take us back.
2: Yeah, I think it's more like, I don't think it was an idea from the beginning. I think it's really evolved. Like when we started, um, how did it start? Like, I, I think I did a fertility test um, myself, just like trying to get um, on top of my health checkups. And I was actually told by the doctor that I had a condition known as polycystic ovary syndrome, um, PCOS. Um, and he told me that I was infertile. Um, And I kind of went through this period where I was like 24 at the time um, and I was like, I wasn't thinking about kids for like the next 10, 15 years, who knows. Um, But all of a sudden getting told that I couldn't have kids actually made me feel like, um, I I don't know, just like made me think about it a lot more. I kind of went through this process of like looking for information and not being able to find answers and in fact getting way more confused than um, I had started out um but ended up finding a specialist that told me actually i didn't have pcos and even if i did it didn't actually mean that you were infertile um and i think the weirdest thing for me coming out of that experience was like okay i started talking to friends um and the weirdest thing you hear for back from friends when you talk to them about this weird thing that happened to you is like me too um like yeah so when, when that happened i was like okay this is a condition that affects one in ten women how is this a common thing that people like get misdiagnosed with? How is this something that people don't understand really well? And I think going down that rabbit hole of like, un- like just like thinking about the stigma and like how the education really isn't there, both from healthcare professionals, but also just from women in general and like people talking about it, um, kind of made me realize there was a, a problem um, and it was something that I kind of wanted to work on. So it really started out as like an education piece. Like we wanted to give women better information about their fertility, Um, more proactively and like something that was more digestible more engaging Um, and so we started out with content pieces and I think like as that started getting traction and people really liked what we were doing we realized we could actually do more Um, and that was when this sort of like broader idea of like maybe we could do something across the whole fertility journey and really like simplify that journey came about Um, and I think the step-by-step process now has been like okay let's focus on each part of the journey talk to different people who have different parts like different Journeys um, and different bodies and different experiences, and see what it actually means to like look at that journey differently and build something for them.
0: I love how you started off with just the content and just got the educational sort of side, because then you can sort of see, you can like get a, a lay of the land, I suppose, and see how many people are actually suffering from this, how how much are they resonating with your brand and the way you're putting out stuff, and then you're like, well, let's, was it like, let's think about some products now, let's think about stuff that we can actually build and and help, like build solutions.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think like it was an interesting start because like we probably started with fertility and um, at the time we probably amassed like an audience of maybe four or 5,000 people before we really started thinking about products. And then we got to a point where we're like, okay, we can, we can actually build something. Um, And we're sort of mapping out the journey. And I mean, I was like 25, 26 at the time. So it was like something that like I experienced myself was like the burden of going to get contraception all the time and like waiting in waiting rooms from the bulk doctor to essentially get something that I've been on for ages um, and it was like a two minute consult in and out and like that's something I have to do all the time um, and so sort of going through that I was like okay that's that's a problem I face like I wonder whether other people have the same problem as well and I think just like doing interviews and surveys with the customers that we were talking about uh, talking to um, made it really obvious that like everyone felt this way um so yeah it was just like it was just like that we had to start somewhere um it's not like we could have built the whole platform um from day one and like we're still working away at it um and it just felt like it was a really really interesting and um obvious place to start so that's how that I guess that's how we got started
0: what about your your background then? Because we were just we had a quick stalk of your LinkedIn and you've had you got that many awards, you've done that many things. Can you explain like you got a full trophy cabinet? Yeah. You know? And now you're a founder and you and you you're doing these things now. Like, did you ever think that you'd be doing something like this with you know, considering what you what you finance and all this other stuff? It's like you've sort of dipped your toe in a lot of different areas, eh? Hey?
2: Yeah. I mean, like this was probably the last thing I probably expected myself to do. In the sense that, like, I think when I was growing up, my parents were like, my parents are first generation immigrants. um, And so they don't really speak English. um, And so all their life, they've really had to start from like small businesses. Um, And I used to love that. Like, I used to work with them in their like Italian franchise, like Italian food franchise and their curtain business and all that. Um, But because, like, because of the volatility I had growing up with them, um, they actually just never wanted me to like ever start my own thing or like ever go into small business or ever go into startups. Um, And so in my head, I was like, obviously I've got to do it now, Um, (laughs) but um, yeah, so like I actually started out with them really encouraging me to do things like law and um, finance, like all the traditional things. So I actually started out in finance, um, started out in investment banking, uh, and I actually have no idea how I got in because I'm actually terrible at maths and I don't know if I actually understand finance that well. Um, And so I did a stint in that, thought I actually wanted to do it as a grad job. Um, and had like in my head already decided it was my grad job Um, and ended up deciding, okay, I actually have one year of uni left to do. Um, I might as well do something a bit different. Um, Went into venture capital instead um, just to like dip my toe into like the startup world. And I fell in love, like I think it was supposed to be a three month internship that I ended up just like dragging out for a whole year and a bit. Um, And I kind of just fell in love with like the founders fell in love with the technology and the products and the businesses they were building and all the energy that they actually had for just like their work. Um, Like it wasn't something I had experienced people feeling about work before. Um, And I think like going through that journey made me realize that I eventually probably wanted to start something for myself. Um, But I didn't actually believe I was ready at the time. And I think um, I kind of came out of that experience and someone we invested in um, had come up to me and he was like, hey, like, I heard you're thinking about going back into investment banking. Um, look, I don't really know you, but I think it's probably the biggest mistake you'll make in your life. <laughs> that's,
1: big, um, that's, right. a
2: that's
1: a big bit and of feedback to give like, to someone you don't really yeah. know. Huh?
2: <laughs> and I was like, hi, um, my name's Nicole. Lovely to meet you. Uh, what? Um, <laughs> and it was actually a really good conversation. Like, we kind of started going into, like, okay, like, what do you actually want to do, um, like, long-term? I was like, oh, you know, I think I want to, like, I don't know, learn to build a business or like um, start a startup at some point. Um, he was like, Cool, how does like investment banking help you with that? How does like getting into finance really technically get uh, help you with that? Have you ever thought about consulting? Um, and I was like, No, I actually haven't. What is it? And she's like, Oh, you know, you, you solve business problems and you solve strategy problems. And I'm like, Cool, that, that sounds interesting. What do I have to do to get in? Um, and so, after like, probably took me a month of just like applying and interviewing and Started um, in consulting probably like a month or two later. Um, Did that for two and a half years. Learned a lot. Like it was exactly as he described. You do like business operations and strategy stuff. Essentially just solving problems for um, corporations. And I learned a lot out of that. And I think at the end of the day, I still really wanted to do my own thing. Um, But I actually came out of consulting thinking I would work in a startup. um, Either in like product management or growth. And I kind of like stumbled, I guess, like into... Uh, building Kin, but I think in the beginning, yeah, I don't know, this is a really long-winded way to answer your question, but like I don't know that like I thought I would get here. I think at the beginning, if anything, I had like so much imposter syndrome because I was like I'd never started a business. I definitely don't have like enough experience or authority or credibility in like healthcare, Um, and so there was a lot of imposter syndrome going into this about like whether I was actually the right person to be building this. Um, but I think the way I kind of got comfort around it was like bringing on the investors as well as like a really, really strong team at the beginning and just like surrounding yourself with people that were actually just way better than me, um, and feeling a lot more comfortable about that. Um, and so after that, I was like, actually, I just care about this problem enough. Um, and I think that's enough as long as I bring on the right people, um, with me on the journey. Um, so yeah, I think ever since it's been like a really amazing journey so far, um, yeah,
0: you're I am. Oh, we, We've looked at your LinkedIn and the highest, uh, what was it? The highest recommendation was teamwork for you. So I feel like, yeah. So like,
1: teamwork makes the dream yeah, 100%. work, huh?
2: That's it. That's
1: it. Oh, I want to talk about, you, you touched on imposter syndrome. It's something that we, we yeah. do end up touching on with a lot of different people we've had on the pod. And uh, for people who are looking to start something or have the confidence to take a risk and make things happen, I guess, what were some of the things besides getting a good team that really helped you, I guess, build your own internal confidence to say, I belong at this level, I can make this happen, I'm not going to throw the towel in sort of thing?
2: Yeah, uh, that's a hard one because I think it's something I definitely still struggle with um, all the time. Like, I think, yeah, I think if anything, like one of the biggest challenges um, in starting Kim was like the self-doubt that you are constantly feeling. Um, But I think I almost got to a point where, I think I've just gotten to a point where I'm like, I actually, like, yeah, I think the, the process has just been like, I surround myself with people that are hundred percent, hundred percent better than me all the time. Um, and so you're constantly the dumbest person in the room um, by far. And like, especially at like all the specialist things, like um, you bring in like the best marketers, the best, like, I don't know, like doctors who know everything. Um, and I think what started to help a little bit was just like feeling comfortable being that. Um, and feeling comfortable that like, you're never actually gonna be the best person to do anything. Um, and so your advantage has to be that you're the fastest learner or that you can adapt the fastest or that um, you will learn really quickly from these people and therefore be able to apply their skill set or like what you learn from them in a variety of ways to work towards this problem. Um, and so I think, yeah, I don't know if that's um, good advice at all, but I think like almost just getting comfortable around um, the uncertainty and feeling vulnerable and feeling like not always the best um, and like not needing that validation all the time, but feeling like you're always trying your best and that's enough. Um, I think that would, yeah, I think that would be my thing.
0: I oh, fucking love that. That's a good answer. Oh, that's love that. Because well, you got to like, I think the same thing, like if you're meeting all these different types of people and you're constantly the, the dumbest person in the room, you constantly surrounded yourself, but with these people and like, you absorb that, you know what I mean? And it's like, you're the generalist, like you're going out doing all these things, pushing the boundaries constantly. I feel like that's something that you fall in love with about yourself, you know what I mean? Like you're constantly doing that. That's what motivates you because it's like, well, I'm, I'm a, bit of a bit of an explorer. I'm going into unknown territory a little bit. Like, I love that, you know? Like yeah. that you have to fall in love with the process, don't you?
2: Yeah, no, exactly right. And I think like you almost just have to get really good at asking questions and being curious and like breaking the rules a little bit or like questioning the rules a little bit um yeah that's definitely that's definitely been part of it
1: love that talk talk about bringing in the right team Saran like to get this idea off the ground like you mentioned before you're not sure if you had the the right skill sets about bringing in the right people with the right skill sets to make this actually have a, a real red hot crack at being what you'd like it to be how did you go about finding the right people
2: yeah I mean I think it changes um I think it it's different um depending on like who you bring in but I think at each point like especially when you start, you're kind of doing everything. Um, Like, I think I was writing the guides at some point. um, Like, you're kind of, like, doing the product manager kind of things. You're half, like, designing wireframes for landing pages and things like that. I think at each point, um, like, as you sort of grow and as you scale and as you get, like, more and more to do, you realise that there's certain things that you're, like, one, not good at, um, and two, like, definitely can bring people in um, to help you, like, scale that and do better. Um, So I think, like, yeah, at each point, just, like, figuring out what is the best use of your time and where are you not actually suited to do certain jobs and bringing in people who are like one, really passionate about like the company you're building and the mission that you stand behind. um, Two, really confident and like passionate about the job um, itself and like what it all entails. Um, And I think three is just like, do they, like, do you wanna work with them all the time? Because like, especially when you're building a startup, it's not easy. Um, and like, there's not, there's, it's not like, um, like, it's not as structured as like you would find in like a corporate graduate program or things like that. Like, you kind of get thrown things all the time, things change all the time. Um, and there's a lot that's out of your control. So, like, if you, if it's, if you don't have that sort of like, almost like dynamic or connection with this person that you're bringing on, it's going to be a really, really, hard, like, it's just going to be a harder journey. Um, so, I think like really prioritizing that. Um, yeah, but I think like even one of the um, more challenging people we brought, um, like at the start that we brought on was actually our first doctor um, for contraception because like we we basically like without a doctor, we don't have a business, right? So like one of the first things we needed to do was find a doctor um, and that was even before we had a product built. Um, and so I remember showing her wireframes and this is like no design, it's literally like Almost hand-looking, hand-drawn-looking draw- drawings of like what I thought the product should be, um, and talking to this doctor that I had been recommended, who was like just all for women's health, and just being like, "So this is what we're thinking about building. I think we can do it. Um, it will be built within like I don't know, two, two or so months." And like convincing her more about like what I thought the problem was and what I thought um, the potential solution was, and working with her and taking on all her feedback um, to really be like. You know, what is like, what is the best thing for the patient? Um, and I think her, she was definitely skeptical at the beginning. Um, I'd been basically trying to woo her for like two months. Um, and I think breaking her down almost like because she kept giving me feedback and like kept telling me things that needed to change and things like that. And almost like keep like taking that on all the time and coming back with like new ideas and new versions of it. Um, that was what won her over um, in the end. And I think like yeah I think just have uh, yeah I don't know I think it was just like having the um I don't know if it was confidence or whatever it was but like yeah just like the persistence to keep going back with like um things that would hopefully win her over a little bit more um really helped at the beginning so
1: I'm having a stalk on the website it really looks like that is something that like you're creating a community of experts that can help provide this advice how important is it about trying to for you like surrounding the people that come in your customers to use your products and look, use your services to get the right type of people in like you mentioned how hard it was to get the first one now you started to grow them out like good people felt like they, they don't grow on trees no, huh? you think they do <laughs> but they don't
2: yeah no that's that's a huge part of what we do i think like when we listen to customers and our patients um like feedback around their experiences so far a lot of the like bad experiences do stem from like poor advice or not being able to find the quality of care. And so our thing is very much like, we're gonna find the people who are doing really strong, like really good quality care um, around Australia and try to scale their work across all of Australia. and I think once we sort of like, especially for the contraceptive side of things, once we sort of got our first doctor, she actually just had like three friends who um, happened to be basically doing what she was doing, which is women's health specialist, um, like sexual health specialist, and um, also looking for like part-time telehealth jobs. And so like she, we got referrals through that and like our, I think contraceptive side um like the doctors there have literally just grown through referrals um or people seeing the website and being really keen on the mission and, like reaching out um, and I think that's been the same for conception I think like the more we put out there um the more people become like more interested and in reach out and like people are really just like reaching out out of passion um more than anything and I think that's the thing that's been really heartwarming and like really lovely to see
1: I like that that's mm. so cool to see because I word of mouth man. Well, what why is it that they're like where we're at today in australia why, why is there a lack of information or like why isn't there like how come this is not a thing you know like yeah. what how come I, i'm serious like my, my my wife and i have been um, we got married last year we've been started to figure out thinking about having kids and looking for the right information and to be honest like we've really struggled to find um useful information that or advice same of. i mean listen to you say these things so it's like <laughs> i I didn't say i'd be fucking talking about it but you know but like some of the things you're talking about really hits hits home because it's like it's really hard to find good advice from people but also through the journey that you're talking about so when i saw this and looked through it gave you website i I was like fuck this is what we should do i need i need need to send them your product (laughs) um
2: yeah i think there's like two parts of this right like i think the first part around like why isn't there just like or like um like yeah good information to begin with i think it's really like starts from the stigma um like i think in women's health in general especially fertility health there's so much stigma that surrounds the journey whether it's like that you kind of feel it when whether you want to have kids later or have kids earlier whether Um, if you're going through like infertility or miscarriages, there's so many things within just like reproductive and fertility health that is so taboo. And I think when it gets to that point where like a lot of people are worried about talking about it or like feel the shame in talking about it, the fact that it doesn't get talked about means that people don't build solutions around it because people don't understand or know that it's a big enough problem to solve. Um, And so a lot of these people who are going through miscarriages or infertility or anything to do with their like reproductive and fertility health really actually feel quite isolated and alone in their journey. Um, and so for one, like people don't know about the problem, people aren't building solutions for it. And so there's not enough there. And then of the people who like know about the problems, which is usually like healthcare professionals and medical professionals and government, um, of course is like they're, they're really good at putting out information, but the internet has also made it so easy to put out information. And so you're left with an internet of like doctor, essentially you're left with Dr. Google, which spans a spectrum of either like really high quality scientific medical information that is really hard to understand um, because it comes from like scientific papers or things like that. And so the average person doesn't really engage with it as much, but it's like high quality information. And then the other side of the spectrum is like people who, with the best intentions, want to share information but don't necessarily get it from the best sources. And so you have all this information now on the web, uh, on the internet, and there's like an overwhelming amount of information. But all of a sudden, it's like contradictory, um, and there's nothing in between that sort of like brings together specialist evidence-backed information that is easy to understand for the average person. And so that's kind of actually where we started, where we we're like, actually, let's just bring fertility specialists. Um, partner them with like really talented writers and make a guy that hopefully has the best of both worlds and like talks to you as if like you're a bigger sister um, and like still has the information.
0: Cause that's huge. Like the communication's key. Like if you can tap into people, like, like you said, um, making everyone an expert kind of thing, it's like the educational piece. I don't know. It's just, I love, you're I love. You're big on storytelling. You're, yeah. That's your, that's your thing well, I know. think like you can have the best product in the world, but if you can't tell it, no one knows about it. Who cares? Um, Nice. you know like you really need to focus on, on that part and like that just everything that you're doing just sort of makes sense like even the subscription model um because it makes sense with you know obviously having having the products and stuff um as often as you need to i, I don't know i just i'm a massive fan of everything you've done up to date and i can't wait to see what you do in the future it's good
2: oh, thank you i <laughs> appreciate good. that
0: hey tell us about start mate
2: yeah. yeah, we've, we've talked
0: yeah, to a couple, a couple of people now and a bit of a cult. We don't know if
1: it's a cult Charles, or not. Charles Mertz you
0: know? vibes. Everyone's drinking the Kool-Aid. Everyone's just having a good time. What, what, what's your
1: specialty th- party when they hear yeah. all right, red Kool-Aid's up. Yeah. <laughs> Charge cups, you
2: know? Yeah. So, um, Startmate is essentially Australia's like biggest accelerator. Um, and I actually, my experience at Startmate wasn't actually through their accelerator program. Um, I actually started in Startmate when I was back in consulting. Um, and they ran a program. It was like the first of its kind in Australia where um, they essentially, essentially specialised in bringing people from corporate and help them bridge the gap into the startup job. Um, because they are, like, there is a lot of uncertainty when you go from like such a structured corporate environment into something where like you don't know like what your role is or like you don't know where this company is going to go and it's not that certain. Um, and so they did a really good job. I was in their first cohort. It was called the Startmate Fellowship Program. Um, And yeah, essentially, like it was. I I, I hate to add to the kool aid, but um, it was awesome. Like it <laughs> made me jump out of start, startup of, out of corporate. Um, yeah, essentially, like the program took me to San Francisco, where we met like a bunch of VCs, a bunch of like people who were running uh, like building businesses over there. Um, it took me to like even just like let uh like yeah, I got to meet so many people from the community here as well in startups, and like I think what changed the most for me um, meeting the community was like that feeling I had back when I was in BC um, in venture capital, because like that energy that people feel around like their roles and like what they're doing in their businesses and like what their, missions, what their mission is. Um, and I think feeling that energy again made me want to go back into the world and like um, do that too and feel the same energy. Um, so yeah, I loved it. I think like they have created an incredible community of people, they have like done a really amazing job building the businesses and supporting the businesses that they have. Um, yeah, so I, I I believe believe the hype.
1: <laughs> believe the hype. I don't mind that. Hey, you, you're talking about you surrounding yourself with the right. You mentioned before the right investors, people who can provide the right guidance. Tell us about your experience going through a round of getting some funding to get your idea off the ground.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, um, I think like the actually, guys. Um, sorry, can I? go
1: yeah,
2: on <laughs> um the funding situation not situation it, it's i don't know how much nick would have told you it's like really hard to explain um
1: we'll just say so next question
2: through. sorry
1: you want to just cut move next question
2: yeah is that okay oh, easy um, yeah. it's like, <laughs> okay. Right. Invests through, like a vehicle that invests in us and it's just like it, yeah it just it's too hard
1: really yeah <laughs> too, too too confusing it okay. hey tell us about who who do you learn from? Who who are some of your inspirations? Um, like do you reading books? Do you got podcasts? Do you listen to Audible? Like what what's uh what's helping fill your brain?
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely I think podcasts and audible for sure, but I actually think the most, like the things I learn the most are actually from just people I get to work with every day. Um, like we have our investors, um like I get to work with our investors like quite significantly and quite closely. Um, so like Tim Doyle, Benny, um, Charlie and Alexi, they're like the founders of one of the companies that um, invested in us. And um, yeah, they've, they've had experience like running Koala Mattress and like doing a lot of like consumer businesses. And I think like learning from them every day, just from like a, how to build up a business and how to, um, how to like talk to people um, from a brand perspective has been incredibly useful. Um, I think, for example, um, one of my favorite people, um, Jenny, she's like our product lead um, and she comes from a background of like uh, product management in Atlassian and they just have a really strong discipline of like saying no to things that um, are bad decisions or like saying yes to things that are really good decisions and like running it through a project and like getting it executed. I think I've learned a ton even just from that in terms of like how to think about everything from a patient first or a customer first perspective um, and making sure we're constantly solving a problem like a really deep problems for them and doing that in the right way um, in order to hit the goals that we have. Um, even learning from her around like how to just like think about making decisions which like you think I, I know no one thinks making decisions is easy but I'm at the same time you like you think it's just a thing that you do but it's actually an art um, and I think I've learned a lot about like that art. Um, and I'm constantly learning about how to do that properly. Um, and well, yeah, how, just do you like- make, how do you make
0: decisions and how do you break down <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you're doing that? Like we speak a lot about it because that, that's probably what, what a lot of people struggle with, especially early doors when they're starting something. It's yes to everything because it's like, yeah. oh, we just got to get things going and ride the wave. But yeah. in actual fact, like you look back and go, oh, through experience, I would have said no to that. I would have done like you think about it differently. Like yeah. how, how do you make your decisions?
2: Um, I think the biggest thing I've actually learned is that it's not about the solution like I think the easiest thing and easiest trap to fall into especially when you have like all these ideas jumping through your head is like which solution is the best Um, and the decision is like based on the solution but I think what I've learned is like you've got to spend 90% of your time at least on the problem Um, and if you've nailed the problem statement and like you know what you're solving for As well as like what your objective actually is and you've spent enough time going deep enough into like what the problem is, what the root causes are, like what you actually need to solve. Um, The solution in the decision is just like 10 times easier to fall into Um, because like yeah once once the problem's clear it's almost like the pieces of the puzzle are there all you have to do is piece it together but like um, if the problem isn't clear you don't know what pieces you're actually playing with. Um, so I think that's been probably like my biggest learning when it comes to decision-making. Um, but it's it's a constant learning.
0: Oh, I fucking love that. It is, isn't it? Like everything, like it's it all comes down to like, in the essence, why are you building anything if it doesn't solve a problem? Like what's the point of it? You're just adding to the shit. Like why, like you need to actually, why do people want to consume your product? Why do people want to buy from it? Because it solves something in their life. You know, yeah. it makes sense, doesn't
1: it? 100%. Hey, tell us about branding. Like you spoke about, yeah, um. Uh, having some people that like koala we fucking we love koala mattresses mm. and we yeah. look at your branding and it's it's so clean it's so crisp it's so simple um and i feel like talking to you now it really you can understand how like it, it feel like it lines up there mm. reckon? yeah it does there's synergy it's, i know but i mean like how important was it for you like getting your idea when it comes to life having that branding element that really i guess um can showcase what what you're all about
2: Yeah, so I actually think there's like two parts of brands, like branding. Like, I think one part is obviously the like what you see at the um, the outset, like the um, like how you communicate to people about like what you actually do, what it looks like, how people, how it makes people feel. Um, But I actually also think the second part is what you do. Um, Like, the biggest thing for a brand is the promise that you make to people, um, to your customers, to your members, to your patients. Um, And for us, it was like, hey, we're going to make it really, really easy to to get the um, access to the pill. We're going to make it safe to get access to the pill. Um, And we're going to give you really quality care um, to like across your whole fertility journey. I think like part of building a brand is making sure that you like people actually understand what your promise is um, from from the outset and like really connect with that. Um, But the second part is just like constantly keeping that promise no matter what. Um, and that's what builds a brand. Um, and I think that's just been the biggest focus for us. Like, we, like, it's all like, it's not just about the marketing and the um, like what you tell people. Like, if you don't back it up with like actually doing good on that promise and like you screw up every now and then, that's not okay. And that's especially true for a healthcare company. Like, you don't really get to screw up. Um, So that was like sort of forefront for us. And like we, the way we sort of like track that at least is like we have a Slack channel where all our product reviews go in. And so the whole company can see every single review that comes through. Um, And the idea is that it keeps people accountable and we get to celebrate when we have actually done good as well. Um, But every single review that is like less than a five for us, we like look into and we're like, okay, what needs changing? What did we like fail at? Or what did we not do good enough at? Um, How can we improve? Um, and yeah, I think the the first part, of course, is like how you make people feel. I think when we think about um, branding from a healthcare perspective, like a lot of people think about like the medicalness of it. Like that's how like a lot of brands build authority and like um, that's how traditionally healthcare has been. For us, I think coming in, I think knowing that the problem was that people felt alone and like people felt isolated and fe- people felt the stigma. We didn't want to make them feel cold. Um, we wanted them to feel like invited we wanted them to feel like they were talking to a friend and so we really wanted that to show through a lot of our messaging a lot of our branding and, and every like communication that the patient had with us um and so yeah that was a huge part of like sort of building up the brand um as well
0: i fucking love that i love that you blow my mind here nicole <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it um yeah,
1: tell tell us about PR. You've had some, you've been um, yeah. showcasing a few different things. Like, how important is it if you're trying to get a startup off the ground to get that awareness, get the, I guess, the credibility that comes with being people discussing and talking about your, your product and your service and getting in the face and really getting out there.
2: Yeah, um, for us, like PR was de- definitely like got us started. So we like launched in January um, and started doing like more of a PR launch around February and. Um, I guess like when you think about a healthcare company, um, you are giving away a lot, right? Like you are giving away your information and your personal health information. You are in all of a sudden entrusting someone to look after you um, and it's not always just like bang from the start, right? Um, and so PR was helpful in the sense that it gave us that like, credibility because like I remember when we were analyzing like search results for what people were looking for, um, some of our search results were literally, is Kin Fertility a scam? Um, and it's like, fair question, like you should be skeptical, um, especially when it's like a healthcare company. Like you shouldn't give away your information and trust anybody. Um, and PR was really helpful in that standpoint because it made people believe that we were like um, a thing, first of all, and like not just taking, like not just a scam and we aren't a scam. Um, and yeah, so it definitely gave us a lot of credibility, but I think the second thing it actually did was it became a flywheel for us in terms of like building trust, um, because we were able to take those PR articles or, um, sort of like news pieces and use them in ads or use them on the website. And that built a lot of trust, um, which meant for someone seeing us for the first time, the barrier to think about us as like someone they could trust was a lot lower because, um, other people had put their trust in us as well.
0: Tell us some, about some of the challenges in your space. I know you've, you've mentioned a few. Is there any other sort of um, barriers or walls that are, are hard to break down?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think especially at the beginning, I would say, um, like, so when we started, it was, this is pre-COVID. So it was like January when we started COVID, probably hit around March. Um, so I think like one of the biggest challenges at the beginning was just the skepticism around telehealth in general and having to go through that
1: obviously pre-COVID I I feel like everyone was so used to that face-to-face physical in-person communication or consultation with doctors and now I feel like so many people like what's what are the norms what are socially accepted stuff has really changed now that we've gone through this as as a society has that really helped what you guys offer in terms of this telehealth service
2: yeah I mean I think like when COVID sort of hit like telehealth became almost like overnight became a safer way to get healthcare. Um, and so a lot of the like skepticism that we probably faced earlier in the days um, all of a sudden weren't there because it was one safer but people just figured out how to do it safely and I think um, before that there was a lot of skepticism around like is it actually safe like do you actually have the ability to do it um, and things like that so definitely helped but I think the like interesting point around that is like when the whole industry um that you're essentially kind of competing against like the traditional sense um turns around and then starts going online um it's not always given that like you'll do well out of it as well um so i think like the biggest thing for us was like our differentiating factor was that the fact that we kind of like doctors were doing their things pharmacy was doing their things and like by like on their own they were like able to deliver but for us, we were like, actually, we just care about the patient, and the patient cares about seeing a doctor in the same place that they get their medication, in the same place that like um, the medication gets delivered to them, and like really looking at that whole journey end to end, and just operating from a patient first perspective. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely an interesting um, journey going through that.
1: I reckon you should have been um, calling cool, just leaving leaving bad reviews for all the other doctors who've gone <laughs> online. You know, <laughs> nah, they're no good, no good. <laughs>
0: Like, you can't be doing that, mate. You can't be doing that. <laughs> no, no, you can't. That's sabotage, you know? Yeah, it is sabotage. Tell us about how you balance how you balance the grind. Like, uh, do you have any routines that sort of help you with balancing your work and sort of rest and re- relaxation? Or do you do that? Do you sleep much? Like, what's the go?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a funny question. I think it depends when you ask me. Um, like, I think if you asked me a year ago, I was trying to be super um, on top of everything. Like, I think I took up boxing. Um I was like trying to go to the gym a lot and like just trying to stay on top of things. But ultimately like I'm human and um, there are going to be days where I just want to sleep in or I just want to get as much sleep as possible and pick out. um, And so like, that's also good for my mental health sometimes. Um, But the funny thing is I actually during the middle of COVID got a puppy for this very reason um, because I figured I couldn't keep myself accountable to like discipline myself enough to like get outside the house and like go to the gym all the time. But I could keep myself accountable to this puppy that needs me every single day. Um, and then all of a sudden I found like, I don't know, four to six hours in my day that I didn't think I had um, because I just like need a cuddle um, from this puppy or I need to feed this puppy or this puppy has way too much energy and he really does. Um, and he needs to go for a run. Um, and the only way he goes for a run is by taking him out on a run. Otherwise he'll get like run over. Um, and so, yeah, that's actually been probably like the biggest helpful, most helpful strategy that I've taken up.
0: I like that. I like that. We talk about it all the time. When some people say, oh, I do this and do that, it's like on your best day, what, once a month? <laughs> you know what I mean? When you think about it and go, I really need to get on top of things and you do it the next day. But it's like you, uh, you sort of have like uh, peaks and troughs, don't you? Like you, yeah, you feel like you got that. It depends on what's going on, eh? Like if you're working on something and you're like, it's in deep seed mode and you're like, oh, fuck, can't wait to solve this. And you got energy to do that. But sometimes when you're rolling things out and you're like, fuck, I'm, I don't have that. You know, you were talking about today, like your phone if you're a phone, your battery would be on low be mode. On you know? low-power mode. Yeah. This has been
1: a big week. Like, we've just been, we've been pushing through, we've been trying to figure out. And that's like, we, a lot of people, we, we get on the pod, we trying to ask them about how do they balance the grind. Something that we're really interested in and passionate about is that mental health and well-being space. And it's, it's interesting because so many people, if they're not like self-aware enough, they can cook themselves, they can burn themselves out. So it's, just trying to understand and give people some advice around what what are their triggers? How can they be aware of things if they are starting to feel like they're uh, crashing and burning? How do they? What are the things that give give you energy back in your life? And for us, we both got dogs as well, so Winston and and uh, Obi, like having having a dog or having someone to go and have a play with and take your mind off work for a little bit. I, I don't know like if the it. advice should be go out and go get pets, but you know, <laughs> like yes, it should, it should. Because <laughs> my funny. sister's a my sister's a vet, and she's had the same like there's been so many um, dogs that just turned up like lost dogs home. And like people go, Oh, I've had a, I've got a dog. I've got a pet. And I can't deal with it anymore. You know, just take it back. Got to, take go it back, back. To work, got to go back to yeah. work. Sorry. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you've definitely got to be ready for it.
0: <laughs> oh, hundred percent.
1: Hey, what's next for you? So like we've got, oh, it's uh, 26th of Feb, uh, plenty of, plenty of year left in 2021. Next time we speak to you, what's uh, what are we going to see What's, what's going to be new?
2: Yeah. I mean, for us, like the big focus this year, is really just building out the platform um, and that's feels like a lot of things but um like in in the first instance like obviously the conception stuff and building out the products there so we've just launched our prenatal um but we do plan to launch things like other supplements around like male male prenatals um uh potentially doing like pregnancy tests ovulation tests things like that so really like thinking about like what is the bundle um that people get so that if they are looking to conceive um that's all they need Um, and taking the same approach to pregnancy and the same approach like after you've given birth like what is the bundle of things whether it's products whether it's talking to a midwife or a nutritionist that would be really really helpful um, after you've given a cesarean birth versus like after you've given a vaginal birth Um, or what about like breastfeeding like what is what is the kit Um, and how can we simplify that. And I think like then going back to like just women's health in general and really thinking about how we can do the same for sexual health. So things like um, thinking about what does it mean to help women with UTIs um, or thrush or like very common like um, STIs as well. Um, How do you do STI tests online? Like a lot of, I guess like for us, it's very much like, how can we build out this platform so that for a lot of your common um, needs, um we can actually do that for you online and make it a lot easier for you to access the help that you need um as well as like the content and the care around that
1: oh it's exciting one-stop shop I like it if you you, when you start pushing into some stuff where you need a couple of guinea pigs for bloke stuff do you just let Uh, us know because I don't know if we can help you out with everything else but you know (laughs) whatever we can do to be involved in your journey we're excited it's been so lovely to meet you and have a chat where you're an inspirational human doing cool shit so we're uh we're lucky to have had a chat with you on a Friday morning.
2: Love it. No, I really enjoyed the chat. Thanks, guys.
0: How good was that, Rob? Another, another one in the bank. Nicole is such a legend. She's so smart. Oh, man. She just blew her mind. Like the way she her process on building the business and, and putting the people first and like you said, the customer journey um, and hitting all them touch points. She's just She's a genius. And she's got a cute dog. She does have a cute dog, yeah. We don't have any um, video, unfortunately, for this podcast, but go check out her dog on Instagram. Go give her a stalk. I think it's Nicole underscore Lou, one, two, three, four, five or something. I don't know. I'm just making shit up, but go stalk her on Instagram and suss out her dog. Really,
1: really cool. 100%. Hey, if you you have liked this episode, uh, we drop guest episodes every Monday, Thursday. Snack spots coming at you Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. And this wraps up our final episode for International Women's Week. So... We've had some amazing guests. We feel so grateful and lucky to have... Uh, we've had our mums. Our mums kicked off the week with our mums. Yeah, we had mums. Poppy Reed
0: from The Bragg and Rolling Stone magazine. Um, we've had Christy Jenkins from Athletic Ventures. Um, Nat Simmons. Nat Simmons from Barefoot Citizens. And now Nicole Liu. So, wow, what a what a stacked and impressive lineup, if I say so myself.
1: That's it. Hey, see you next episode.